California camp, cruise, weddings, NYC, Shadow Lake, Snow, Shipwreck, RV, Esky, Hawaii, Burger Garden, Papers, Peter Pan, Barbie, it's the Babysitter's Club, super special. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing super special eight, Babysitters at Shadow Lake. <laughs> I feel like that was such a... <laughs> Uh, welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, welcome them. Yeah. (laughs) I was disappointed in the shadow part of Shadow Lake. Oh, you wanted it to be like a real dawn situation. Uh, I mean, well, we can get into it, but like just some old guy told her like a family disappeared and a house burned down, but she didn't corroborate it at all with anyone else. And like he could have just been fucking with her. I thought that Watson said something about it. I thought that there was some corroboration. No, I didn't follow it that closely. I, I don't know. I'm, t- to be honest, I didn't either. I, I I found it very spooky, so it was convincing to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not. Okay, fair. I did not find it spooky. The whole family disappeared, including the butlers and the gardener. The butlers? <laughs> Multiple butlers? Yeah. yeah, I thought you I might. I would like us... We need to discuss what really happened out there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My corner is just <laughs> what what really happened to the what yeah. was their name? Bayards. The Bayards. <laughs> yeah. Is that even a rich person name? <laughs> I know, right? It should have been like Vanderbilt or something. Oh, okay. You okay. guys, I'm in season three of the OG Gossip Girl, so <laughs> <laughs> Do you two have your one sentence summaries? I, I do. Ooh. Why don't you go first, Dan? It's so unusual that you're okay. ready, to, ready to rock. My one sentence summary is once again, Don does not thrive on an island. <laughs> nice. Excellent. How about you, Emily? Mine is the babysitters go on vacation to work again, and there are no shadows at Shadow Lake. It's blisteringly bright all yeah. the time. <laughs> no, no nighttime at Shadow Lake. Um, I, I wrote my one sentence summary in the form of a review. I don't. Rem- I also had this book from childhood, but I don't remember reading it. I think it came out during beginning of high school for me and Anne. So maybe I read it very quickly, but I don't have strong memories of it. My review is a classic, super special mess around A plus. I really liked this book. Oh, <laughs> I was like I was pleased. I was like, oh, this is a super special. I'm enjoying this. So. I was a little bored, except I wanted Sam and Stacy to like be a little more like Where's this hot going? And heavy. I, I know. <laughs> Anne and I were both giving Emily a like, oh dear face. They just like, like hold hands at breakfast. That's so weird. What did he want them to do? I don't know, like kiss at the dance or something. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Hot and heavy. Yeah. Not like have sex. God, perverts. <laughs> Just more hugging and kissing. Yeah, just a little OTPHJ, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I have never heard that before put like that, but I immediately knew what it was. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, OTPH, oh. Wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. <laughs> I can't do this today. I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. <laughs> I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. 
And I'm Anna Chikawa, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous fragmentist with a sweet tooth. And if you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. Also, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. So, so profesh. Yeah, I kind of totally sped through that. I think it was great. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, cool. I'm, no notes, no notes. No notes, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> okay, so should we trot out like every storyline? Go for it, Emily. Can you do it? Can you do it from memory? Oh, God. Absolutely not, but I will try. Um, okay. <laughs> should we Christy do like Quaker summary <laughs> explanation? I'm sorry, what is that? Did you ever do Quaker reading in elementary school? It's where you're all reading aloud the same book, but you don't, the teacher doesn't call on people. You just like wait for the feeling of when you want to read and then you start reading and then you stop and then another kid starts and stops. No. If we have any Quaker listeners, can you tell us if this is a thing the Quakers actually did (laughs) or if this is just something that our elementary school teachers lied to us about? Because they were like, they were being lazy and didn't pay attention. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to start using it in my classroom. Ooh, Yeah. Um, I completely lost my train of thought. I'm really distracted by the idea of Quaker reading. Yeah. <laughs> you were saying, start with Christy. Oh, Christy wants to convince Watson. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong about this plot line. So the, the premise of this book is that Watson's like aunt and uncle are old and they are contemplating leaving him this cabin in their will, but they want him to agree to that in advance of their death. Yes. So he wants to take the family there to see if they want to inherit it. Yes. Because it's a big responsibility, Emily. Oh, to like pay the guy who's the groundskeeper to continue keeping the grounds and like go on vacation for three weeks every year. Fuck you, Watson. (laughs) I knew this would piss Emily off. Pissed. And so Christy's like, I know, I'm going to bring all my friends and we will babysit. (laughs) Also, it's a cabin that has two dormitories with six bunk beds in each one. Isn't that convenient for this this plot? I've seen places like this. There's a lot of like ski places at Tahoe that are like that and that, that are built to gather large groups of people in beautiful places. That didn't seem unbelievable to me. Actually, the premise of this super special seems much more believable to me than many previous super specials. I will say, I just think it's absurd that Watson's like, I don't know if I, like, maybe I'll say no to inheriting this. Like, that's the part that I don't understand. Right. Even if he doesn't want it, he could inherit it and sell it. Like, Uh, well, I think that's a, I think it's been in the family for a long time. And if he doesn't, like, I think the idea is if he doesn't want it, someone else should inherit it that's going to keep it in the family because they're already really rich. So he doesn't need to sell it. Right. Like, so he like wouldn't why wouldn't you just keep it, it then? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, this is some white people shit, guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but it's more believable than Mr. Pike winning a trip to Disneyland, Disney World for his whole family. And then Watson being like, yeah, I want to go too. And then like other yeah, people coming I don't know. Along. I liked that premise better. <laughs> I, it was more absurd and more whimsical. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Fair enough. Higher on higher on whimsy. You you got me there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so Christy's like, all right, I'm going to convince him to keep it by writing a diary of how much fun we have. And then 
you know, premise for every super special. Everyone writes a chapter. So uh, Mallory gets eaten by bugs and dresses weird and everyone's like uh, embarrassed by her, I guess. Um, Poor Mallory again. (laughs) Yeah. Marianne keeps losing Karen and the two friends that Karen brought, which are Hanny and who's the other one? Nancy Dawes, the Jewish girl. She's Jewish. (laughs) Good for The only Jew in Stony Brook until Abby shows up. Yeah, so far. (laughs) Um, uh, They find like a little shack in the woods that they like use as a house. They're putting curtains on it and they make a secret garden. And then the boys, um, David Michael brings Nikki Pike and... Lenny Papadakis. Lenny Papadakis. Okay, so both the Papadakis kids are there. And they're like, we're going to build a fort. And their fort falls down. I don't know. There's like all this weird boy versus girl nonsense. Um, Sam has a crush on Stacy. And Stacy's really annoyed by him. Uh, Jesse meets another boy. But he doesn't actually have a crush on her. He just wants to be friends. Spoiler alert. Um, Don meets an old man. And learns the story of the house. What else? Claudia. Claudia wants to dress up the, the boat, boat. The find the faith yeah. person for the boat parade and do something creative. Mm-hmm. Um, That's everybody, else? right? I think it's everyone. Yeah. And we get some chapters from Sam. We get some chapters from David Michael and from Karen in addition to the babysitters. Why don't we have a Charlie plot? I would love a Charlie chapter. Charlie just serves as the wise counsel to Sam in this book. I would love right? to hear from Charlie instead of yeah. dummy Sam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Justice for Charlie. <laughs> yeah, that's Justice everybody. The- okay. Um, and then they decide to accept their inheritance in the end. Yeah. Christy also finds the boat, the little rope, like the little motorboat and, and the caretaker who I keep calling Hecky after the caretaker in the original Parent Trap, but that's not his name. <laughs> the, the caretaker teaches her how to drive the boat. That's like also a mm. plot. And then um, Lenny and Nikki aren't getting along, and David Michael's oh, right. stuck in the middle. Yeah, and and they have the sleepover on the island. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Maybe sort of stay over alone on on the island in the middle on Shadow Island, where the burned down estate of the Bayards. Come on. So the Bayards disappear with all their servants. No one Just knows what one happens to them. Guy tells Don that there's no like, and then a year it's not like to a the rumor day around it was his town. fiance. It was his fiance. He's credible. And then a year to the day after they disappear, the house just is a conflagration. Let's also, and burns let's the also talk about that relationship because they were like eighteen, and he like took a boat ride out there and then he like proposed and then she like disappeared the next day. It seemed like a very fast timeline. He murdered her and her whole family and, and burned down the house. Of all of the bodies. Yeah. In the like, lake. There's going to be a, there's going to be a Netflix like true crime series about this pretty soon. <laughs> it's going to be called shadow lake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Um anyway. But you got you did you guys like it? I I was very envious. I mean, I think why you're mad, Emily, is that we're envious. Like we were just talking about trying to find a vacation rental for the 16 members of our family for next summer. I wish we had a Shadow Lake cabin that we could just go to. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. 
If only we were rich. Um, Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say I only have like really small snippet nugget things, nothing major for this book. But one of the things that was driving me crazy was the like dearth of contractions when the kids are speaking. Yes. It's like, very weird. All the children it's very are like, weird. we do not want to go to the place to play with that thing. And I was like, why are they talking like that? It was, like I was so distracted by their. I think that is, that is Karen's way of talking. If you read the little sister books, Karen does not like to use contractions. But when it was, she sp- you said, <laughs> du- yeah, I don't know. I said does but, not. <laughs> okay. So, but all the kids did it. I know. Yeah. I was wondering if that was just like an overcorrection, if Anna Martin got used to writing in that Karen voice for the little sister books, and then that's how they all talk. And it's more, when you hang out with like tiny kids, you know this, Emily, like preschoolers often do that. Like preschoolers don't really get contractions. They speak a little bit more formally sometimes, but these are seven, eight, nine year olds. With fully formed sentences. Like they speak without contractions, but also without other like grammatical, without following other grammar rules, you know? Uh, I mean, littler kids. I think preschoolers speak often in a real sentence, but without contractions. But it, sure. But yes, it's weird. They're too old, and I don't know why none of them are using contractions. It totally distracted me too. It didn't distract you, Anne, the 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 fiction writer and the and the like. No, I mean, there to be to be distracted by that would mean I would be distracted by the whole book. Like I just <laughs> feel like correct. <laughs> That's literally what I'm saying. I feel like I was honestly more distracted by the kids' handwriting than what they were saying. I was like, who, this is how David Michael writes, or I don't know. It's very neat, actually. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Pretty good for a seven-year-old. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, I love the cover of this book. I read it on Kindle. Oh, it's really What's the cute. the cover look like? Oh, is they're, that them on Shadow Island? You know what? Esme likes it because they're like wearing rainbow sweaters. Of course. Yeah. There's lots and of different colors. It's friendship, it's a campfire, it's s'mores, there's a lake. What's not to like on this cover? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we'll have to recreate it in Tahoe next summer. Ah, I would love it. Yeah, but you bring need, you're going to need... My orange sweater. Yeah. You're going to need me and you're going to have to get a black friend. <laughs> Good thing we have one. <laughs> I'll invite Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, can you just pop on over to our family vacation so we can recreate a Babysitter's Club Super Special? And can you also car? wear an orange sweater? Yeah. No, I'm wearing orange. Jesse's wearing orange, so. Ugh, God. Sorry. Okay. You oh, look, I'm wearing wear... purple. Yeah. <laughs> what am I wearing? Tan. Tan? Or, or red. No, I guess it's red. Dawn's in the middle, right? Yeah. Stacy in the back. Yeah. The blonde red. one? Yeah. Red. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Esme, do it's you have like blonde. a. Do you have a corner for this book? I do have a corner. Yeah, do I do have a corner. Do nuggets? Okay. I don't just have nuggets. I have a corner, okay. and then I have some questions for you that might lead to your nuggets. How's oh, that sound? Great. Perfect. Right. So I, the two boy subplots in this book, I was not a super fan of, and I was thinking about how we, as young girls or other young girls, reading this book might and might sort of set expectations or learn from the models of these relationships. Oh, they're like, uh, I like you, so I'm going to annoy the shit out of you yeah. and, until you 
are angry with me. I fucking hate that shit. It's like all that boys will be boys nonsense. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so Sam is doing a lot of annoying things to Stacy. He's like saying like, you look marvelous, darling, and stuff like that all of the time. He's like throwing things at her. He just, I mean, I, I can't even remember all of the different things. Do you guys have some other examples? Didn't he like shoot food at her or something? Yeah. yeah he yeah, flicked yeah. a Cheerio on her toast or something. Right. And he's like whistling at her. Um, and, you know, just like, just being an idiot. And Charlie finally says at one point, like, Sam, I've been watching you this week. I know what's going on. Have you actually told Stacy how you feel at her? Or have you just whistled at her and shot te- Cheerios at her toast? <laughs> and Sam says, well, mostly it's been, you know, the Cheerios and stuff. <laughs> um, and then he says, I was going to try accidentally running into her and knocking her down. If that didn't work, I was going to sort of push her into the lake and then dive in and save her. <laughs> So on the one hand, I appreciate like from Sam's perspective when he's sort of reflecting on it, it's just like pathetic, right? But And and like he's just clueless and like 15-year-old boys are clueless. Like that's accurate. Um, but when we don't get Sam's perspective, when it's just from Stacey's perspective, he's just like kind of awful to her and like really harassing her and making her want to hide from him and like stay away and then the other model we have is Daniel the boy that Jesse has like a fleeting crush on um and do you guys remember how Daniel and Jesse meet like she sees him and thinks he's cute but do you remember how they actually start talking to each other no she's practicing ballet yeah, she's like practicing yeah. ballet by herself in the like dance room at the oh, lodge. Right. And he He's like, like stands her. and like watches her for yeah, a long time. And then and then I like watching you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And she's like, Well, I have a little bit more to do. And he's like, That's fine. I can watch. And it's like super creepy. It's a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um, pervy. Yeah, it's a little pervy. And then, you know, the upshot with Daniel and Jesse is that. Jesse has this big internal struggle that Daniel's attractive, but they don't have anything in common. And what about Quint? And then she makes this big confession to him. And he's like, bitch, I got a girlfriend back in Boston. I'm just like, thought you were nice. Like, we're just, it's, it's vacation time. What are you talking about? Right? Yeah, um, does he have like an open relationship or yeah. something? And they have like a deal like, yeah. we're on vacation. We can hook up with other people. <laughs> He's going into seventh grade. He's trying to explore his yeah. sexuality. 12, 12-year-old polyamory. Yeah. yeah. He's um, looking for an OTPHJ. <laughs> OTPHJ. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't feel like <laughs> either of these to me are great models of relationships. Um, <laughs> Emily's so pleased with herself and Anne is so pleased with it as well. Oh, I wish that could be the episode title. But. No. <laughs> OTP H Bay uh, on Shadow Lake. Oh yeah. my God. There we go. <laughs> so, but I do think these books um, are our models for a lot of people, especially those of us who were really obsessive about the books. You know, luckily we have the Bart Taylors of the bunch, but we have plenty of Travis's and other weird boy behavior um and you know lots in the vein of sam and alan gray which is of course a trope we've talked about before like if he's annoys you he's nice to you but also this weird like kind of overconfident stocky behavior of daniel 
So a thing that I'm really interested in that um, there's been some new research on. So, so basically my question was like, is this setting expectations for nine-year-olds in the same way that pornography now is setting expectations for teenagers? <laughs> like, is what I'm interested in. Um, because that the, uh, you know, to state the super obvious, access to pornography has changed significantly since the three of us were adolescents and what teenagers have access to and are seeing and thus are drawing conclusions from about sex and relationships is very, very different. Um, and there's been a lot of um, sort of theorizing about the effect this may have and some studies um, with older people, but a study just came out a couple months ago, Huntington, Willoughby and Rhodes um, in what's, what's the journal? Let me see. Uh, so the Journal of Sex Research about the associations of adolescents' pornography viewing with their romantic relationship skills and behaviors. Um, and it's a pretty big sample size. They uh, got 755 teens. Um, about 60% of them were girls. The average age was 15 and a half. Can I guess um, what the <laughs> results were? Yeah, I'll just tell you what they did first and then you can okay. guess. So, and it's one of the first, it's cross-sectional, right? So it's not a longitudinal study, um, but it can still give us some information about correlations and, and then do further work on this. So their hypothesis, um, do you want to know the hypothesis or do you want to just know what they measured? I want to know what they measured and I want to guess the hypothesis okay. and, and guess and the, the outcomes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they measured um, the amount and of you porn don't they play. do. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to play, Anne? Come on. Anne's checking out when, when I study here. Come on, it's about porn, Anne. <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh, it's about porn. <laughs> okay, so they measured how much porn the adolescents are viewing. Um, they measured self-reported relationship skills. So like how confident they feel in like having a romantic relationship with another person. Um, negative relationship behaviors, um, like dating violence and abusive behavior and verbal conflict. And then um, involvement in sexual activity, both actual sexual activity and things like sexting. Um, so, okay. yeah. High porn rates correlate with high negative relationship behavior and high confidence. Okay. They no. did. It. I okay. don't believe. Oh, low high confidence. confidence. Oh, high confidence in their relationship skills or low confidence in their relationship skills. High confidence in their relationship okay. skills, but but no. poor behavior. Yeah, but poor behavior. Okay, that's my Anne, guess. Do you have anything to add? Uh, I'll go opposite. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put five bucks on it or what? <laughs> so wait, Anne. I just want to make sure I get this right. The more porn you view it as a teenager, the better you are in relationships. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making it is interesting for our <laughs> listeners, okay? <laughs> Love it. Okay. So, and you want me to tell you both the hypothesis and the actual outcomes? Okay. So the, 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 the hypotheses were partially supported. So they hypothesized that adolescence viewing would be associated with poorer self-reported relationship skills, more negative relationship behaviors, and increased involvement in sexual activity, including sexting. Um, and what they found was that frequency of overall viewing was associated with lower relationship and refusal skills. So basically less active consent is how you can translate that. Um, and lifetime, oh, and they looked at joint pornography viewing. So 
teens who view pornography with their romantic or sexual partners. And joint pornography viewing was associated with higher rates of dating violence, victimization, and perpetration in the past six months, with more abusive behaviors from one's partner and more verbal conflict in the current dating relationship. Yeah, and higher negative relationship behavior. (laughs) Emily was right. Shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I was wrong. So um, this is one of those studies. It's like, I don't know, when I used to watch porn, it was all OTPHJs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good old days. I mean, so on the one hand, this isn't really shocking, right? But I think yeah. um, there's a lot of discussion and debate. You know, the the hard thing with teenagers is when they're watching porn, it's not legal for them to watch it, right? So it's secretive and it's not contextualized by any kind of trusted people or things like that. So we know that there's lots of other outcomes, like specifically for girls of viewing their, um, you know, their, their own personal sexuality as being like visual for other people, as opposed to being centered on their pleasure. And there's, there's lots of, lots of, documented problems, especially for girls. And this was the first study I saw that, that looked at like both um, kind of, uh, of relationships together and the joint use and kind of outcomes in relationships related to that. So it's depressing and probably Daniel and Sam are better models than, <laughs> than hardcore porn. Well, and I think it leads I still to that, am right? Interesting like- about, and interested in that kind of timeline. Yeah, I I just think that that idea like oh if he's mean to you he likes you is so toxic and it is like I see the spirit of that emerge in conversations about relationship problems that I have with women who are like feminists and who are in heterosexual monogamous relationships with guys who would also consider themselves feminist, but like the dumb argument and the treatment is just so like shot through with that, like the kernels of that it's gross. And it's like, I, yeah. 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 And I think there's something to be said, as I mentioned for, you know, allowing for Sam's incompetence, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's sometimes where he's not actively mean. He's just like doofy, right? And that also annoys Stacey. I would have liked to see more doofiness and less like targeting, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. He Mm -hmm. did like a mix of it, right? Yeah. Um, And I think Anna Martin could have portrayed the same thing of him being nervous and sort of intimidated by her with more... Yeah. Yeah. Being more of a goofball and less of a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I went um, and then managing my own envy about this fictional lake house. That was my my journey with this book. (laughs) Um, I also, my only nugget is I had a big soft spot for Claudia in the, in the boat, making the boat costume because that's totally a thing I would like to do, which is not a surprise to anyone. (laughs) Yeah, but like in the illustration of the boat, she used towels, but I was like, she did not use towels for this. For this or, monster, for the origami. monster head, origami, and <laughs> the monster head is very. Uh, it's good, detailed. Yeah, yeah. A too I don't know. Detailed. The tail looks like towels. Yeah, and I also liked that she was like a, a Japanese tourist with like cameras and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like okay, a little If you had yeah. it, if you had to decorate a boat, what would you do, and how would you do it? 
Oh, you're putting me on the spot. There's so many options. Um, what is there okay. a theme to the parade? In the snow super special, you were like, yeah, here's how I would make that snowman. Exactly. And you had it already. So. No, you just asked, you specifically asked me how I would make a snowman Audrey 2, which was very easy to answer. I can tell you how I would make the boat into Audrey 2, okay. but I also yeah. could do, I could yeah, also do lots of other things. you make the boat into Audrey 2? Is that what you would do? Um, I mean, I've done a few Audrey 2 things now, so I would probably want to branch out. I was just like, what I, I need to know the theme of the parade and how I would do it. But the thing that came in ahead, my head right now is that I would make the, the cover of Sgt. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what popped in as you said. You're like, pick something. I feel like you could do lots that of cool... That seems really cardboard. ambitious. Yeah, but it would be really... Um, it would have a, you know, what do they say on all those decorating shows? Like, it would have an impact. Like, it would pop. Wait, where are you going to fit all those people? But you just do layers of cardboard cutouts, and then you have, like, the sergeant. Yeah, and obviously. Like, the, the, so you're going to do, like, 100 cardboard cutouts. Yeah, you just do layers of it. I, why are you asking? It's absurd. <laughs> I'm telling you, it wouldn't be that hard. And then you, the people on the boat, pick like three of the outfits that you have stuff for. I, ideally, it would be the pepper uniforms, you know, like the military, bright military uniforms they have. But it could be some of the other people on the boat. One of you could be Marilyn Monroe on the cover. You could be Marilyn Monroe or whatever. And then you make like a big uh, Sergeant Pepper drum for the front with the flowers. Okay, when you guys go to Lake Tahoe next summer... <laughs> We'll do this to Alex's boat. Yes. <laughs> my, my brother's boat. He's going to be Michael. pissed. Oh he would totally God. be on board if it's Sergeant Pepper. He'd probably rather us do like Led Zeppelin 4, but that would be harder. Anyway. How would you do it as me? I, <laughs> it would be easy. You just make layers of cardboard cutouts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily, can I transition to my questions for you? Sure. Well, at first, I just, I felt like the theme of the book was generational wealth. Yeah. And I, you know, was curious if you had some, any things to say about that. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit before with Watson, but. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I don't know if I want to inherit this house, so I have to take it for a test drive. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's nothing that interesting to say about it. Like, that's the, like the primary driver of income inequality. <laughs> yeah. But like. It we keeps know that. where we are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Watson is the reason that no one can buy a house right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bummer. Watson is the avocado toast of the early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can make an avocado toast costume for Watson too, if I wanted to. Um, okay. Well, so he, he might has all those sunbeam toasters. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That would be his Halloween costume if he was around now. Um, so on page 104, Claudia is at the shore with Andrew and Emily Michelle. Mm -hmm. And they want to, um, she brought them there to do art. And mm -hmm. Andrew says, oh, do you have easels for us? And Claudia says, I shook my head. Sorry, no easels. No berets for our heads either. We can pretend we are starving artists. Starving is in italics. And Andrew frowned. I don't get it. 
I tried to explain starving artists to him while he and Emily and I walked along the shore of Shadow Lake in the direction of the dock. I guess I wasn't doing a good job or maybe I was just being boring because Andrew interrupted me in the middle of, so artists do not usually work for companies. They are freelancers. That means, and then it goes on from there. So I thought both of you might have a lot to say about this, Emily, you with the just general concept of starving artists and artists place in the economy and Anne being a starving artist at time and a freelancer um, might have some opinions about all of this. It just was interesting to me that Claudia was explaining this. I was also surprised that she used the term freelancer because I feel like that is a more recent term. I mean, like, you know, people went on, I guess the 90s, the early aughts was really the period of transition from staff to, to freelance, right? I mean, like... Well, in, well in, in other things, but like Anna Martin's dad was a New Yorker cartoonist and illustrator, and he just sold drawings to various magazines, like, throughout the... I mean, I think that that's... Sure, but I'm, I mean, like, the dominant mo- mode of employment is now, like, short-term contract basis where you don't pay into a pension, right? Your employer doesn't match. Like maybe you get some benefits if you are a a member of a freelancer union, but like the drop-off, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, the drop-off from union rate, like membership rates from the like 60s to the 90s was steep, you know? And that that's like freelance is part was part of that shift right people and and it's billed as flexibility right you don't have to work for if you don't like your boss you end the project and you get a new boss right and it's see it's like touted as a a, a like choice that leaves you a little more free um but in some ways you're less protected and I just thought I was surprised to see it when I mean this book came out in what 92 yeah, I was surprised to see it in the book. I, I, that was one of the nuggets I had written down. I was like, "Damn, she says freelancer." <laughs> it's also different from a starving artist, by the way, right? Like, well, I think she was starting to say like that's what contributes to it, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't have a set income and you have to sell pieces in between things, and that's right. what I think yeah. it was. It, 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 that's just a snippet of her explanation. But shockingly, the four and two year old were not particularly interested in the large scale economic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's there's very little uh, contribution to the extraction of surplus value that you make with art, right? Um, yeah. Right, so. Anne? You don't really contribute to the extraction of surplus value in your day-to-day. Mm, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, is it a cloud or a... <laughs> um, clock. Clock. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I took it more just as starving artists. I mean, like, uh, you feel so passionate about your art that you are willing to like, basically not sell out to keep on, you know, pursuing your, you know, whatever your truth. To contribute to the extraction of surplus value. That's selling out. <laughs> That's oh. saying the same thing, Anne. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, that would have been a much saying, longer title for the Real Big Fish song. Sorry, go ahead, Anne. Yeah. But like, there's no such thing as selling out anymore. Like, it's not like... Yes. It's not like a bad thing anymore. Yeah. It's not for, even like a thing. 
Yeah. For a long treatise on this, please listen to every episode of 60 Songs That Explain the 90s on Spotify with Rob Harvilla. Um, yeah. yeah. It was a big problem in the 90s. Like, yeah, was. That was the last thing you wanted to do. It's a very Gen X concept. Nobody cares about selling out anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's complicated because of you, like you are a brand as a person who makes something or puts something on out there. And so like selling out just means funding your brand. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's like really, it's really makes me deeply uncomfortable. (laughs) It's gross. Yeah. I don't know. But it was cute, right? It was cute scene. (laughs) Cute scene. Cute scene. All right. My last question for you, Emily is, um, Actually, Anne, I would love you to read this section. You have a paper book, right? Is it when Christy old shames her mom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What so top of page 63. Anne I was so pissed about this. That first paragraph. Uh, okay. Mom, what are you doing? I asked. It was the middle of the afternoon. My mother was in the kitchen, barefoot, wearing only her bikini bathing suit and a long shirt, which belonged to Watson. I, for one, do not wear bikinis. I do not think anyone should really, especially if they are past 30. But in all honesty, my mom looked pretty good for an over 30 mother. Maybe I will wear a bikini one day, but only after I actually have a chest. When you're as flat as I am, there is no sense in wearing a skimpy little top. Why should I when I don't even need a bra yet? At the rate I'm growing, though, I probably won't have a chest until I'm like 28. And then there will be just a measly two-year window of time in which to find and wear a bikini. Yikes! <laughs> That's a lot I of was rules. Furious about that. <laughs> I am about to be thirty-four, and I only wear bikinis. I do have one piece, but it's a little slutty. <laughs> it's like sluttier than my bikini. I think that is so rude. <laughs> Who taught Christy that? It's also really rude to her developing body. Like, that's the thing that's sad about it, is that she's talking about this measly two-year window. Like, it's lots of rules for, like, the... Like, I was not... She doesn't know shit about whether or not she'll get boobs and when they'll come. Like, that's just, like, dumb kid shit. I don't think that's the the problem. The shaming of the mom is the problem. problem. (laughs) I don't think the timeline of her boobs is the problem here. I, I know that's what I'm saying I agree no, but I think it's still a problem because I think it's about I don't think it's just old shaming I think it's this idea that there is one type of body that can wear a bikini whether it's old or flat or fat or whatever no, it's under 30 <laughs> and it has boobs that's it Emily's, I, all, Emily's personally attacked I know it's, Emily's an emotion mind she doesn't have anything cogent to say about this paragraph because <laughs> she's so pissed off no I, like Christy's being a bitch <laughs> and do you have anything to say about the societal messages that Christy's relaying here since Emily can't give us any analysis because she's I mean, too angry I, I feel like from the perspective of a 13 year old I, I get it it's like it's like weird to see your mom in like something revealing for the first time. Like, imagine, like, I think it is. I mean, for me, if I saw my mom in a bikini when I was 13 and I'd never, like, been exposed to that, like, I feel like if I had seen my mom repeatedly as a young child in a bikini, I would not think it was weird. Okay, I just find it really... 
Uh-huh. Go ahead. I find it implausible that this is the first time she's ever seen her mom in a bikini. Like they live in a mansion. They probably go swimming all the time. They get boats or whatever. Like she's never <laughs> seen her mom in a bikini before. That's boats or stupid. Well, I, like, and she doesn't oh, wait, say that in this you know paragraph. Then. Maybe she doesn't say it's the first time. Maybe she's gotten a boob job since marrying someone rich, and now she wants to show off her boobs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just gonna, I'm just trying to piss you guys off. But I <laughs> look. I don't know. My mom wears bikinis still. I We go swimming together all the time. I've been my entire life seeing my mom in a bikini. She looks great. Whatever. She's old. Who cares? I've never seen my mom in, any, in a bathing suit or anything. Okay. Yeah, I think you're projecting, Anne. Christy doesn't say anything here that it's the first time or this is like you're, 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 yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, at face value, this is what you I can read into based on the writing. That's all. I'm not speaking from my emotion mind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought it was an interesting paragraph, and I and I I felt sad for her thinking that she just had this two year window based no, on no, it's her awful. Yeah, prophecy. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know we've seen commentary on like Stacy in a bikini before. Like, I think it's a problem of, of representing like sexiness from the perspective of a teenager, a young teenager. Right. Um, and it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's a bummer. <clears throat> Fair it's enough. on, it's on brand for Christy though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. I'm what saying. are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Emily, do you have other, but... do you have other nuggets? No, th- those were actually like all the things I had written down. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Interviewed yeah. you about them. Is, I mean, um, my last well, question. And of course, the lack of contractions. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, use your political science degree for that. <laughs> like, yes. Um, is shaving boys periods? Oh. Sam is very focused on the fact that Charlie's shaving and he doesn't need to shave yet. I'm just wondering. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's pubes, but like they're not going to talk about that in the babysitter's club. So shaving is it. I mean, pubes come before you have to shave your face, though. <laughs> that, yeah, but for the that's what I think. I think that you shave later than the period. You know, I don't think I don't know if it's quite analogous in terms of development. Pubes stages usually should I, should I ask too. the two men in the other room? Yeah, yeah, go ask yeah, them. Go, go ask really? them. So yeah. what should I ask them? The Say, question is when you start to shave, do you think when you start to shave is equivalent to getting a part of menstruation? Yeah. Emily, is Matt home too? I uh, probably. Go ask Matt. I'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Matt said, what? No, (laughs) it was discovering I could ejaculate. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Don't, don't say it yet. Wait till Anne gets back. <laughs> I should just pause this. Did did you was Matt there? Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? Uh I said, Do you think shaving your face is the male equivalent of getting your period? And he goes, What? No. It was discovering I could ejaculate. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank you." laughs> That's what both Sean and Micah were like, no. And they're like <laughs> and then they said, maybe pubes. Or and then Micah said or your balls producing seed. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he said the same thing as Matt. <laughs> yeah. Gary isn't home. There was no, from what I understand, there is no equivalent exclamation point. And right. then he said, shaming is a nice thing. And I guess your dad shows you how and whatever. But aside from a few cuts and scrapes, it's fun and easy and not very painful. Mm. Yeah, that's a, there's no trauma involved with like yeah. becoming. There's yeah. like no equivalent, basically. No, they're just excited for it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. So no. up. So much yeah. for that. Yeah. All right. What that do you was, got for us? That's fun. I like yeah. this phone a friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> segment. <laughs> Um, I don't have much. I, I appreciated Mallory's like dedication to not getting bit by bugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and her complaint letter at the end is something I, I completely do like all the yes. time. Yes. <laughs> like I write customer service letters when I am dissatisfied with service. I've never written a review. I don't, I don't write reviews. No, I write directly, directly just to, the to the company. Dear sir or madam of the bug off bug spray company. Mm-hmm. I feel it is my duty as a consumer to tell you that your product doesn't really work too well. I used bug off when I went to this lake for two weeks, but I got 78 mosquito bites anyway. Maybe you should call your spray something else. Sincerely, Mallory Pike, age 11. That is something I would completely write. For sure. And 100%. then she gets a bunch of coupons for bug off. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. I wrote a complaint letter to Everlane once and I got, they gave me free stuff for about like free money. <clears throat> um, they had these loafers. This is like, like a long time ago and I kept on trying to wear them and I, they just gave me blisters because I have wider than average feet and it just, I could not break them in no matter what. And then I learned this happened to several of my friends also. So I was like, Oh, so this is like a common problem. So, and then one day I saw on their Instagram that they were touting these same loafers as like the perfect loafer. (laughs) So I was like, fuck that. These are not perfect. So I wrote them and they admitted they are for narrow feet and that they would be coming out with a shoe design later that would be better for wider feet. And I said, well, you shouldn't say they're the perfect loafer then. And they gave me like a hundred dollars or something. So it's that type of thing. It's not like I just actively, I don't think I would have actively written them if the shoes were, like if they hadn't said the opposite somehow in in their marketing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anne's all about truth. All about truth, transparency. Um, I also, oh, noted that Christy was wearing a Gumby and Pokey shirt, Mm -hmm. which I thought was like pretty accurate for 1992. Um, and I, there's one good Gumby fact I found. Let me try to see if I can dig it up. So, you know, Gumby is synonymous with like being flexible, uh, and basically bending his body in any way. Um, shoot, hang on one sec. I lost the tab. Okay. So the... There is a term called Semper Gumby, which has been used by like the United States Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, etc. Um, that means always flexible. And it's like a term they use based on Gumby. <laughs> Semper Gumby. <laughs> always <weird>. flexible. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I thought was weird and interesting. 
Um, Don, they have froze fruit popsicles that they eat, which are still made today, but not made by the original froze fruit company, which closed down. They're bought by someone else. Um, and that's about it. Everything else is pretty much every what we talked about. I noted the bikini thing. Um, but I feel like we haven't really talked about their time on the island and if letting a bunch of 13-year-olds and two 11-year-olds sleep overnight there, as me as a parent, would you let Keely and her friends do that and drive a boat? I think my parents would have let us. Yeah, I think um, the question of the norms in the 90s versus now are are different for sure. Um, It seems like it's a small community and that nobody's on the island. So, and they did have Sam check it out for them before leaving them there. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's a, it wouldn't be a sanctioned Girl Scout trip. You would have to have at least two adults that are there um, that aren't related to each other. Uh, but I thought it was a good plot device. I liked it. Um, it's, you know, it didn't seem dangerous. It's like middle of summer. There's no like elements. Um, and it doesn't seem like it takes very long to get there. So I thought it was a good, like formative adventure. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I don't think parents now would let anybody do that. My parents would have definitely not let me do that. Um, I think mine would have. Yeah. I mean, I, think, I don't know. We like go camping on these big family trips with like the Becks and the Witten scenes. And when we were like 12, they would let us do all kinds of shit. It was like we're together and they're together. I don't know. It's like d- different rules when you're in a place where everyone's at the same place than like if you're at home, weirdly. Mm-hmm. I think and it's like a vacation yeah. place. Everyone's on vacation. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I think in 1992, I see this happening, but like not now. I don't think parents let their kids do that anymore. Um, and also, what do we think actually happened to this house? Oh, to the Bayards and to their house? <laughs> the Bayards and their house. I there can't no solve Bayards. it, y'all. <laughs> there was no house. There were just some bricks. Yeah. So you think it was all a lie? Yes. I think this old guy was like, I'm going to fuck with this kid. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just like a tall tale. Long ago, I was engaged to a woman who died. Yeah. I like how they were just like, and then their servants stopped coming to town. (laughs) And that's how you knew something was up. I'm sorry. I just got really distracted because there's a post-it note on my wall with Matt's handwriting that says, Catfish number one Hulu show, love the paranormal gender roles. Like, is that like, is that like what? one, is that one statement or several? I don't, I think it's three separate statments. <laughs> All right. I don't, um, anyway, I don't sorry. like this painting of <laughs> Stefan as just like a liar. Then he's going to go ahead and follow up and send Dawn a, a, a like letter and everything. I don't know. I just as don't believe it. I was taking it to a dark place. Like I don't believe that like, if that was the case, that an entire family and their staff disappeared and their house burned down, that he would be the only person who would tell them about it. What other people aren't like spending their time spooking random children. Dawn is looking for this. Exactly. 
if she's looking for it, you'd think it would be corroborated by multiple sources. But other old people want to enjoy their vacation and aren't taking the time to talk to this weird blonde from California. I don't know, man. It's sus. And do you have an idea other than it's a lie of what happened to the Bayards? Well, what year did they disappear? Do we know? If they, dis- if they literally just like disappeared. I mean, it's possible that... Aliens? Maybe they were involved in some crime and they could have just like disguised themselves and like, you know, went somewhere else. What? The whole yeah. family and all of their butlers? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking is that they committed some kind of crime and then they all ran away to avoid mm-hmm. prosecution. Mm-hmm. Well, that's boring. Maybe there's like a weird crossover thing with like the people that used to live in Don's house. Didn't someone also disappear in that family? Oh, he was just oh, hiding yeah. in the he was just hiding in the secret passage. Yeah. Maybe they all you know, maybe they're like in some Bermuda Triangle tangentially related to Stony Brook someplace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll read that. Uh, you gotta have something to say about snacks in this book, Anne. In what way? Like Malamars? <laughs> they have Malamar. Yeah, what do they have first? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I read this really late last night. (laughs) You're like, I just didn't do my job. (laughs) Dude. Well, the, the thing that was, uh, that I laughed out loud at is in the chapter where Marianne sort of tames the three musketeers, which is what Karen and her two friends are called by pretending to be the child and they're babysitting her. Right. And they walk to the lodge and they won't let her get candy, so they don't get candy themselves. Nancy says, my heavens, you'll get cavities. And then Marianne says, sure enough, the girls would not set foot in the lodge, even though they were all carrying pocket money, and I knew they were dying for Neckos and root beer barrels. I know, I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's a, that's a giveaway that Anna Martin wrote this book, along with the Gilligan's Island and... <laughs> reference yes but also who has ever died for either of those candies okay rupert barrels are good they're fine they're They're fine they're not going to be the first choice though in a like at a candy counter are they okay but okay let's focus on neckos then neckos taste disgusting they're so gross they're just like yeah i did eat them as a child of course you did (laughs) The purple, ones, the purple ones were not good, though. They're all bad, but the purple are the worst. You're right. The purple are the worst. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, not a lot of tallies in this book either. Just one bossy is all I found. Although, again, it seems like a uh, trend in the super specials that there's lots of references to crazy people. So we get lunatics, lunacy, and crazy. Um, so that's not awesome in our social justice corner. Wasn't there, there were even more, right? I feel like- I only caught those three. Stacy says like, I'm with crazy people to about Dawn and then even Claudia says it. Yeah. Um, I thought there were, I thought there were some weirder euphemisms, but I, I didn't note them. So I guess this is a mooch point. It's a moo point. It's a cow's opinion. It's a cow's opinion. opinion. <laughs> uh, weirdest lines- 
I, okay. When I first noticed the lack of contractions, I started noting them as weird lines. And then I got so distracted because there were so <laughs> many that I was like, fuck this. I can't pick a weird one. Cause no child is like, I do not want to go to the, I don't know. I can't even think about a sentence that would have multiple contractions, but I, I was mad about it. So I didn't write any down in protest. All right. I have the dance was a casualty. Um, <laughs> That's because, good. Yeah. Karen or somebody. Yeah. There's a dance at the end, of course. Um, and I forget if it's Karen. I think it's Karen like mixes up the fact that it's casual versus casualty. And then I also have awakening plants. Someone describes the morning as having awakening plants. And I was like, I don't understand. That's, I don't like weird. that. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Um, I have, it's probably too long for a title, but when Christy told everyone her plan to like spend the night on the island, Dawn starts saying, saying, she says, you must be crazy, Christy. You're not playing with a full deck. You're a few weeks short of a load. The lights are on, but no one's home. Yeah. But that's all fine. That's all fine. There were a lot of them. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I just counted crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But then the last one, she says, the cheese has slipped off the cracker. <laughs> I like that one. That's like that episode you, title. Is that a thing? The cheese <laughs> has slipped off the cracker. I was like, you've lost your mind. Like, <laughs> the really cheese good. has slipped off the cracker. <laughs> like, who? That's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. What should we pizza toast to? Cheese and crackers. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like there's lots of things we could yeah. be supposed to. The Bayards. Uh, <laughs> uh, successful uh, crime. Successful <laughs> crime. I do. I really like. Um, I really like the fact that this is the first super special where they actually note that they're on vacation and they shouldn't be working the whole time. Marianne says Mm, that to Christy mm -hmm. at one point. This is, there's a little wink to the reader of like, oh yeah, they don't actually go on vacation. They just work in different places. Um, I also, I I cried at Watson's letter to his aunt sending along Christy's book. I'm not going to read it because I will cry if one of you wants to read it. I thought it was very sweet and Christy's very touched that Watson refers to her as his daughter. So I thought that was lovely. It's it's sweet. Blended families. Mm -hmm. But it's also like the context of it is I'm just kind of like eye roll. It's like, oh, thank God. My my stepdaughter. No, he just says daughter. I know. Daughter or whatever is like nagged me for this entire book about how great this free house is we're going to get. So I can add (laughs) it to my like investment properties. Great. I guess you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. To generational wealth. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do you guys want to actually pick? Christy's mom in a bikini. Yes. Ah, yeah. Liz Thomas in a bikini. Bikini's over 30. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Pizza toast to Liz Thomas in a bikini. To Liz Thomas in a bikini. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Salar Khan. You can find her work and hire her at propodcastediting.net. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. 
You can also join us on Patreon for bonus content at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuckinstonybrook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for.